Hello everyone, you're welcome to the Collateral Growth Podcast and on this podcast we talk about product, tech and everything in between. I'm your host Frances and with me today is Dan Steve, a full stack developer. So like I said before that we're going to be bringing in different kinds of characters to this podcast, not only product people but people from other um, career paths in the tech industry. So today we have Dan Steve and he is a full stack developer. So Dan Steve, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Dante Marikombi. Uh, I'm a full-stack developer. I'm working majorly on the front end. Um, I started my career as a Java developer. Um, I've had eight years in the industry. I've worked in just, um, industries like the education, fintech, transportation, and government. Um, I started my career as a front-end developer, then I moved to a Java developer creating um, desktop application, then from desktop application, I started writing APIs, then the APIs were SOAP APIs, then from SOAP APIs, I moved to um, REST APIs, worked with Python for a bit, then moved to Angular, and then from Angular, I started writing front-end frameworks like Vue, React, and um, uh, what are the Angular framework, uh, front-end frameworks we are? Yeah, majorly, um, majorly that. Um, what else? I think that's me in a nutshell. Okay, so how many languages do you know? How many program languages do you know? I don't, I can't count them in my head, just count together. So we have JavaScript, um, and JavaScript, you have multiple framework, but everything's just JavaScript for me. And then we have Python, we have TypeScript is the subset of JavaScript, we have PHP, we have Ruby's on way, we have Java, we have Swift, we have C, then we have C sharp, and I have .NET, which is a bit of C sharp, depending on, on what we're talking about. And a bit of R, how? Because I started doing a bit of data analysis, I'm a Python. So that's like 10 to 11 languages. Wow. Yeah, it's like. As long as you know the syntax, it's easier for you to convert from one language to another language. So. That's impressive. That's impressive. Thank you. Okay, so um, what's been your career journey like? When did you start and how has the progress been? Okay, if I'm to count um, my education, I would say I've had about 14 years in the industry. But post education, I would say it's about 10 years because I said, I said writing code in 2010. And this is 2024 right now. So it's about 14 years. So after school, I, like I said, I said writing a bit of front end HTML and I started doing Java. So Java in terms of creating desktop applications. So when I was working in the bank and working in institutions like HP, you create fundamental applications in, in Java and, um, .NET. Um, then I crossed over to backend. Backend, I was doing purely Java. Java. So we are creating um, APIs in Java, SOAP APIs. After a while, graduated to um, REST API. After creating REST APIs, I jumped into Flux, which is a Python um, version of creating API. And I also did Laravel and Coordinator. I don't know if it's Coordinator or Coordinator. I can't really remember the right pronunciation, but that was for PHP. And um, after a while, 
something somebody might have done, like, why am I always writing APIs? Why can't I also work on the presentation part of it? Sometimes I write an API, I know that it can be displayed in a better way than what it is. Um, so I jumped into um, the front-end part, which is Angular then. It was AngularJS, and we are still using scopes and controllers for people that understand that. And then I've been working with Angular ever since then. I said Angular in 2014 ish, either 14 or 15. And ever since then, I've been working in Angular for the past nine years. Um, so I've also worked a bit with UI developers. So worked with creating, I was a time I was working on a project to create my own plugin for Figma. I was almost done with it because I've used it multiple times for myself. I've not just published it out. So but it converts from Figma to pure HTML or from Figma to um, React, depending on it. I think there was a plugin I saw and I felt like the plugin was better than mine. So I didn't bother um, working on that. So that is my career and a nutshell. Interesting. It sounds like a lot. It sounds like a whole lot. Okay, so why did you choose this career path? Why not anything else? Why did you want to become a developer? Um... Funny story, I actually wanted to become a pilot, but I didn't choose to be a pilot for two reasons. It was quite expensive. And the second part was I had an encounter with somebody. So it was just the only encounter ever. In church one time, I I met one of my uncle then. He was a software developer. I never even knew what software developer was then. Um, he had a phone. It was a Symbian phone. And it had like a Bible happening. So he was reading the Bible and I was intrigued how you're able to convert the whole big Bible into something small and somebody can read portable. So I asked him and introduced me into um, the same course of the developer, what they do, that they build apps. I was very intrigued. I had to go to Isaba Cafe, research what the um, developer is, research things like that. And the major tools, they were just Java, HTML, .NET, and Co. So... I asked him I wanted to be a developer the next time I saw him and he said he was going to give me a book. He gave me one of the famous Java books uh, and I was reading the book. I never even had the computer then. I was just reading Java as a book. Then I went into science class. Then from science class, I learned a bit of Mavis uh, Beacon where we are learning how to write, how to program, then not program, basically. There was a part in Mavis Beacon, I don't know if you remember, it had HTML. But you can always have like a web uh, building part where you can build HTML code. So that was like my favorite part of my Bitcoin. So I always learned my Bitcoin then. Then I went okay. into computer science and never then the rest was history. Interesting. And what year was this? Uh, when I had a encounter with him was in 2007, 2008. Okay. So since 2007, it's now, you are still intrigued and fully interested in continuous career path as a developer? Yes. I would say on like other industries, um, computer science has grown in a very, very wild scale. Like almost everything is computer science. Everybody interacts with computer science or with computer in one way or the other. That's going as far as even glasses, microchips, things like that. Imagine those days where 
the only thing we could do with our phone was just call. And now we can do video calls, we can do video editing, we can do conferencing, we can do holograms. So it has grown. And now with the advent of AI, it's even going to go way faster. Because now most of those nitty-gritty that most people spend time learning, you don't really need to learn it right now. It's now coming to a situation that it's just a book. And you can just read it and just read in the book and put you up to speed. So I, I love the fact that unlike other industries, like um, computer science is growing. It's growing really, really big. And the fact that it can affect every part of our life, everybody that I know right now, be it old, young, or the newborn, we interact with computer, whether they like it or not. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's nice. So what loopholes have you seen, or what, what loopholes do you think are there in your career path? What are those holes that you feel like, oh, I mean, being a developer is great. I mean, um, the whole um, coding and everything is great, but there are some other loopholes that being a developer cannot fill in total tech ecosystem. What do you think those loopholes are? I think the three loopholes as a developer that you cannot feel. The first thing is leadership. Most developers are not leaders. I wouldn't say most developers can lead. I would say the fact that we are just stuck up on our laptop makes us forget that the human interaction is very important. And sometimes human interaction is not something you can code. <laughs> sometimes I wish I could just code somebody and respond to me the way I want them to respond to me, but apparently sure. you can't do that. And, and you know, Beyond what you build, you have to build is a product, but the product has to go to human beings, and human beings have to be interacted with. That interacted with is, is there. Uh, one of the biggest things for me as a, as a software developer personally is work-life balance. I'm having to be able to manage your work and life, and having meaningful relationship, having um, loved ones around you, family time, me time. It's very hard as a developer to be able to manage that except you intentionally allocate time and things like that. So I think those are the major loopholes for me personally is more of finding time to have fun, finding time to have meaningful relationships and um, also knowing how to properly manage people's expectations and interact with people in such a way that everybody is not a, is not a program that I want to make perfect. So you're saying now that being a developer has affected your relationships. Yes, I would say being a developer has made me... So I, I once had a relationship with somebody that said, everything I talk about is like I'm writing a code to fix a problem. And I see every relationship as a program that I need to adjust or fix. And somewhat it was true, and somewhat maybe not true, but it made me understand that when I see problems, I see it in the same of... This is like a logical problem that can be fixed, forgetting that human beings are not logic. Um, but human beings can be logical, but most of the times they are not fully logic. So logic issue, logical solutions cannot really work for them. And most times when I come in, I come in from a logical point of view, and that might be a bit of a flawed conflict. So you have to now understand that it's something called um, human interaction, human experience, making sure that you're empathetic, making sure that even though somebody has made mistake and you know that logically, well, stop person is not supposed to make that mistake, right? But you need to understand that human beings are born to make mistakes and we learn from our mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I would say it has affected me that way. It doesn't really mean it's a bad thing. It's just that I see life in a different way. Just like a banker, I would see life as, one of, as numbers. Is there a way a computer science is seeing my, uh, life mathematically and that's logic? 
Okay. That makes sense, actually. That makes a lot of sense. So, what's a day like in your life? Like, okay. what's typical day as a developer? So, typical day, um, before now, I used to have multiple jobs in multiple times. Um, I used to have in India, I used to have in the US, and we all know India is like five hours behind us, so I have to wake up quite early. But now I don't do so. Multiple days right now will be like um, waking up in the morning, having my quiet time with God, one hour, to 30, one hour, 30 minutes, depending. Uh, after my quiet time, I tend to play piano. I finally got a piano for myself and I'm trying to learn how to play. I used to play guitar, but right now I'm learning how to play piano. Then the next thing I do is at the beginning of the week, I have like my sticky notes that I just write out things I want to do for the whole week there, things I want to touch, the achievement I want to have for that week. So I go, then look at my sticky notes, then determine what I need to close out today. Obviously, as a developer, we all know that we have to attend stand-up. But because I work for a U.S. company, my stand-up is around in the afternoon, around 2. So I have to like do my work before the stand-up. Then from the stand-up, you have your daily scrum retracts. Um, but majorly just meetings, meetings, writing code, talking to people. Um, sometimes go to the gym. I go to the gym minimum of two to four times a week, depending on my mood. But I also have a mobile gym in my house that... In case I didn't go to the gym for that week, I would be able to still do some workouts. Okay. Um, while working, I tend to go to the bank only, sit down, look at the sky, just get my head out of the moon. Sometimes call love, call sometimes call loved ones, depending on how I feel. Like I said, I'm very, I was introverted. I just realized that I'm not an introvert. It's just I need to know my people. If I'm around my people, I'm not introvert. I can be an extrovert. But during work time and work period, I'm barely an introvert so i just want to be on my own try to figure out things on myself but then again i also tend to support my team and ask questions and because i'm a team leader i also have to call um my colleagues make sure that everybody's doing well make sure that i create um goals and achievements for everybody and also make sure that we achieve the company goal as a whole okay so it looks like you actually have like a fixed routine that you use. That's sadly I do, sadly, which is very hard. This is why I said as a developer it's very hard to to fit in um people and fun if it's not in the routine already, right? Because um the routine has worked for me for quite a while. Now I have to understand that I have to now break the routine in such a way that I can now include people, I can include loved ones, I can include going out and having the fun. It's not been easy. To be honest, I, I feel like I'm an infant when I like when it comes to that situation. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, this is stressful. But then again, I, I understand that it is actually important to have things like that in your life because um, at the end of it all, it's the value that we, we put into others that's, that that turns, that stands to be our legacy, not just the work that we do. Okay, so now, because you work with logic and you work with routines, what now happens if you are woken up by a chaotic call, maybe something has happened, there's fire on the mountain, you have to get up, you can't go through your normal routine at 4 a.m., blah, 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 you're up, you have to get straight to work. What's that like mentally for you? Because you already have a proper routine, you're already working with logics, and then something's coming to disrupt everything that you have a flow for all of a sudden. How, how, you, how do you manage that? I think I've experienced this over the years to be able to to create a, like a bounce back 
So what happens is that as much as my logic and my routines are fixed, there are room for for slacks. I call them slacks. Sometimes um, I have a call by 2 a.m., 3 a.m. saying that something is wrong. Or sometimes my CTO calls me or my CEO calls me or my product person calls me and say, oh, something is not working well. The product is not doing this. And I have to like jump on jump on a call. It was even the time I had a war room for three days. Like the meeting was up for three days. Like all you had to do was log in there and continue working, right? So I've had situations like that. Yeah, they mess with you, but over time you you tend to adapt because human beings. I mean, one of the key important characteristics of human beings is that we tend to adapt. So which is why I said it's just the more you do it, the more you adapt to it. Right now, I can adapt to the fact that somebody can come in on a Saturday and tell me, "Damn, the server is down. Let's fix it." I adapt to the fact that sometimes after church. I literally have to jump into a meeting. Um, there used to be a time that I asked myself why, but I'm beginning to put a bit of, um, when I say boundaries, to make sure that the boundaries are clear, only when okay. it is high stakes. Um, because I work in the, ph- in the pharmaceutical industry, you can see that it's very tricky. So imagine you build something and the patient is using it, and the patient is between life and death. <laughs> and you then have to go out with your family. So the question is which one do you pick? So that's why you need to always know what priorities are. You need to always know how to align. And because I work in the pharmaceutical industry, it was a big it was a big struggle for me. Knowing when to pick my own immediate family and knowing when to save people's life. Okay, so like mini superhero. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that, but if you say that, why not? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So out of all the people that you work with, who makes your work easier? That since you work with different people, different stakeholders, you have your PMs, POs, Scrum Masters, other devs involved, um, you know, compliance team, uh, customer support team, key stakeholders, of everybody that you work with in making your products, but, you know, be proper in the market or to work well in the market, who makes your job easy? Among all of them, who's your favorite person? Your product manager, of course, but let me just leave you to say it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I was about to say not to like, you know, rub your ego, right? Um, I would say for me, there are three people that are quite important. The first is the product manager slash the product mm-hmm. owner. Um, the second is the QA because they actually save my life, to be honest. Working in the industry like, um, pharmaceutical, you understand that testing is quite important. Um, and the third for me, which are like my heroes, which I, I tell them that my heroes are my fellow um, colleagues that we work with together. Um, because sometimes you're stuck in a particular loop of thoughts, trying to fix something, and you just have to ask the question, and you're like, bam, 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 you figure it out. And life makes it easy. So for me, it is my colleagues first, they are like my survivors, they help me, I help them, is that synergy. And the next thing is the product owners and the product managers. These guys are like wonderful, because they think yeah. about products in such a way that you, you yourself are like, hmm, Never thought about it that way. They are quite meticulous. They are quite. Um, they have a particular standard that makes product looks wonderful. Um, look at Nigeria as a whole. We all know that when Nigerian builds a product when it comes to UI, when it comes to functionality, it's top notch. Because Nigerian, I'm not saying Nigerian, but product managers and product owners generally find time to make sure that the product is better, the product is targeted to the right audience, and things like that. Um, I never even knew what audience was until when I started working with the product person and made me understand that oh, when you're writing an application, you're also getting feedback from the right audience to understand that the application is 
is hitting and solving the right problem we wanted to solve. And like I said, we have the um, product uh, manager slash owners, my developers, and my QAs because trust me, you love QA people. I've seen me love them. Sometimes I push work. It's working well, but I've broken something else that I've broken something else that I did not know, but they're able to find that box. So I would say yes. But the last part for me, I think the last people that they have less credit for are the customer support. Customer support because they are the first line of um, interaction to the customers. No matter what we build, right? If the customer support is not good, your product is not going to go far. Having the right customer support is actually very important to make sure that your product grows, which is where the product team works with customer support to get feedback then from the feedback come up with ideas and ways to be able to address those, the feedback then it comes to us as the developers to implement it then then after implementing it, it goes to the QA person to then evaluate what you've implemented to make sure that you've broken something I mean you see the chain it's like a, a circle kind of situation then from the QA it goes to production and then from production back to customer support that particular kind of um, circle yeah. so for me those are like the key important uh, people for me that they've made life very easy for me Okay, that's nice. As your PMs being number one. <laughs> okay, so what's the toughest part of your career so far? What's been the toughest parts? What's been the toughest um, things you've so far? Just a couple. Um, the one that happened recently was the company I was working for was got sued or got bought. I don't know which is correct. For what acquired. acquired, basically, right? And I had to transition from being just um, a principal engineer to also um, writing documentations, making sure that the company's documentation is good, filling some a lot of works, having a lot of meetings, manager meetings, making sure that the acquisition goes well. Even after acquisition, post-acquisition, you have to have things like support for the application. Things like that it was really, really stressful. Uh, it was really, really mentally stressful. Uh, another one was um, having to work uh, and study at the same time. I tell people that, you know, the hardest thing to do, right, when it comes to computer science, or forget computer science generally, is to actually go to school and actually work. I'm actually impressed when I see people that go to school and work because it's one of the greatest struggles. Um, you have limited time to actually do the work. You have limited time to actually school. Now going to school and coming out with a wonderful grade is phenomenal. Right, I tried it and I know that it's very, very stressful. So I had a situation where I was working, like I said, I was working two jobs and also going to school at the same time. And luckily or luckily for me, the school asked me to become an assistant lecturer where I had to now teach people, mark results and things like that. It was chaotic, trust me. It was really chaotic. I had situations where I had to wake up around 3 a.m., join stand-up, finish stand-up, then jump to work, then after work, jump to class, then after class, jump to teaching, then after teaching, come back to work, then go to stand-up, then when you're done at like 2 a.m. in the morning, then because you can't sleep because it's 3 a.m., I mean, doing that routine from like Monday to Friday, then Saturday, you're crashing like, you know, log of wood. I mean... You can, you can have an idea of what I'm trying to say. So it was one of the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, it was really chaotic. Then not having to now boil back to what I talk about, having human relationship and fun, you realize that when you're in that kind of situation, it might be harder for you to, to invest time in that. Yeah, sounds like a lot. Sounds like a <laughs> So what's the craziest thing that's ever happened in your career? What's the craziest thing you've ever faced that you're just like, nah, this is this is crazy, like from where to where? 
What's the mm. crazy that's happened? I would say two things for me. The first one is that I have never been sacked before. Not like I'm boasting, but it's just a very crazy stuff for me because in the industry I'm in right now, I realize that it's very volatile. Um, there's a lot of changes, a lot of regulations, and a lot of up and downs. And funny, I've never been taxed. That's still one of the things I thank God for. Um, the second part is, um, recently, I started working with a team, and I'm the youngest. <laughs> so I'm working with people that are like at 65, 32, they're about, and they're like way, way older than me, that they have children that are quite older than me also. And having to create a standard between them, making sure that I can enforce the right thing and also making sure that I respect them. It's, it's, it's been a very, very dynamic environment because I have to be very careful. And because it is a very, very open environment where you have the people with different spectrums of genders, you have people in different countries, different um, of beginning and background, it can be very, very tricky. So it's been a very challenging time because I'm having to pick between being responsible and humble and being disciplined, creating standard and making sure that the company goes at you. Okay. So what advice would we give to people that want to come into this career path? To people that want to become devs, full stack, front end, back end, anyone that they want to be? What kind of advice would you give to someone? They ask you, when I say if I heard about you know software development, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Is it even for me? What kind of advice would you give them? Um, the first thing that software development is not for everybody. Just like banking and civil engineering is not for everybody. Just like everybody um, engineer is not for everybody. But can you learn it? Can you have an idea about it? Yes. Money is not for everybody. It's not everybody that's going to be a bank. <laughs> but everybody knows what interest is, <laughs> and everybody knows what. Right? So the idea is having knowledge and having understanding around it. It's not about knowing it fully. So I think everybody can actually learn programming. Um, it's just everybody cannot be committed. Everybody cannot give the time and the consistency. For me, there are three things that makes a good programmer. Anytime, any day. Consistency, commitment, and being humble. Being humble in the sense that you need to understand that some people will notice more than you have, more than you know rather. And you have to be humble enough to ask them. You have to be humble enough to learn. The first humbling process for me, right, and I say this openly, was the fact where I had to go meet my brother to learn something. And I was not that in programming, right? It was quite humbling because I needed, I knew I needed to know this thing. I knew I needed understanding. And I know that he has more knowledge on it than I do. That's asking him and say, you know what, please, can you please walk me through this? Some people will be like, no, yeah, I can't do that. That's, that's the, one of the biggest problems when it comes to um, learning. You need to be able to know that people will notice more than you do. And people will also ask you for questions and you must be open to support. If you don't have time to support, let them go. I don't have time to support right now, but you know, share the time with me. Let's support this together. Because I've learned from a lot of people. I've learned from quite a lot of people. And I think a lot of people have learned from me. I don't know. I don't have a um, scorecard to tell about that. But I think that if you are consistent and you are able to be humble to ask questions and also give a response, and that would also make it very easy to learn programming. And most importantly, you will never get it right in the beginning. That's the truth. Um, the first application also- I built. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also listen to people, to be honest. 
the first application I built, right? I thought it was the best thing after slides, right? Right now, when I go back to the application, I'm like, God, I can't imagine I built this, right? <laughs> so, but there's that's, there's that milestone of growth, knowing that you've been able to achieve something, you've been able to build something that is wonderful, and you see, you see it going gradually. You see that okay, I'm able to build a one-page application. Next, I'm able to build a twenty-page application. Next, I'm able to build a full-stack application. Next, I'm able to manage the whole thing. That growth is there, but it doesn't happen in a day. The, because of the environment we are in, people are working in fast pace. And the sad part is that knowledge is not given in fast pace. They are fast pace to learn things. They are fast pace to make money. But the fact is that it is fast because you are putting in more time and more effort. Right? Everything in nature has to balance up. Right? The more time you put in, the more reward you get in. And there's an adage that says you want to learn in skill, I think learn in one hour a day, and in one year or ten years you'll be better. Right? That's the idea. So putting that time and putting that consistency and that willingness to grow will help you. But also knowing that every failure and every mistake you have is a milestone. The first failure I made that I know I did very well was, I don't know, I was a backend developer. I did that pod DB. It was a very big mistake. Again, that is where I said being humble and honest is. So I was humble enough to tell my my um, um, database analyst, hey, I've deleted DBO. Luckily for me, luckily, they used to run data migration and then um, we don't dance every time. As I spoke to him, I was like, oh, okay, no problem. Send an email. I wrote an email. Before I knew the DB was back up. I could have been struggling and struggling and struggling and trying to figure it out at that point in time. I'm not sure what I've done. Right? So, which is why I knew that it's always easier to have communication, have relationship when you're working with people because the more good relationship you have, the easier it is for you to do your job. And which is why, again, I commend my product managers, I commend my QAs, I commend my fellow developers and my um, customer support or relationship people. Okay. Thank you very much for that advice. Actually makes a lot of sense because that's like a clear breakdown on why not, why you should like not just choose the career path, but like the kind of attitude. Because I mean, there are people that are devs or whatever career path people are in, and they come in with so much pride after a period of time, and there is no single humility to like really continue to learn. It's just always the I've been doing this for years. You can't tell me what to do. Kind of attitude. So having the right kind of attitude, um, you know, when you're working with people is like really, really important. And you know, you pointed that out, and that's awesome. Okay, so the next set of questions I'll be asking you are more relaxed. They're not, you know, deep. So I'm going to be relaxing right now. <laughs> okay, so what's one new thing you learned last week? I mean, this week, because week is almost, almost, almost over. This week that passed, what's one new thing that you learned? Hmm. What? Are you talking in terms of development or in terms of general? In general. That's what I said, relaxed in general. Okay, I'm very, uh, I don't know. Who the audience are, but one thing I've learned, I'm learning to do this year is trying to read my Bible daily. And um, this week we've been talking about um, blessings and battles, and I realized that life is a little about up and down. And sometimes we get blessings that help us to fight the next battle, and sometimes we get battles so that the blessings can be worth it. Um, and it's one of the things that dawned on me this year to understand that for every milestone that you cross, for every achievement that you cross, just be ready to know that that achievement will, cost, will come at a cost and that cost can be a blessing or a battle. 
That's lovely. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So tell us three fun things about yourself. Three fun things. Um, I love music a lot. I actually feel like if I didn't go into dev, I'll probably be a musician. Not because everybody likes music, but I just have this eating flair for sounds. Um, and I love music like instrumentals. I can listen to instrumental all day without having a voice, like without having one voice on it. Um, which is why, like I said, I started learning piano. Let me show you my piano, just so you see. So can you see? I have a piano and I have a, a guitar. So I love music a lot. And most people don't know that I love music a lot. The second part is, I love to play pool. That's snooker. Um, I have two snooker sticks in my house, so I play pool a lot. Um, it makes me relax when I go out with friends that knows how to play pool. I also bowl. Like, I do bowling a lot. Um, one more thing that is fun that I do, but not as often as people would love me to do it, is the fact that sometimes, emphasis on sometimes, I sing. Sometimes I sing. Um, so I know as a pastor son, as a pastor son, you have to be in music. Like everybody knows every pastor son has to be in choir. So I used to sing. This pastor's and, kid thing. I feel like yeah. it's only my food that is like left out because <laughs> we really miss a lot of things you people say. What is, as a pastor kid, you have to do this. You have to join. Like we've never been in the choir. We, yeah, my friend tried to force us. We didn't join. Like, let's, say, never let's say you're lucky. I don't know if it's lucky or you're missing because I know how to play drum set because I used to be trumpet in church. I I started learning keyboard. I started learning the piano. I played the talking drum. Actually, I have a very my first picture ever of the instrument I have was me and I was two years old with a talking drum in my house and the picture is in my house. So I play talking drums. I play the drum set. I play the only instrument I've never played is um. Lutes. I've never played the yo um air, air instrument, but any other instrument except from that I do that. There was a time I used to play um the is it conga, these two things in church. Mm-hmm. That's how I started with the conga. So okay. yeah. Then I started singing. One fact that most people don't know, when I was singing, because of the nature of my voice, please don't laugh at me. I used to sing soprano or most of the time I sing soprano. I was about this confused when I sing soprano. Well, I guess, I mean, if you listen to my voice, you know that I sing soprano, but sometimes I sing um, auto for major soprano. Okay. I'm not surprised I have a soprano father. I'm just, you know, I'm surprised me how it's really going to sound, but to, you know. <laughs> so. All right. Huh? So, final question. Describe your pod, this podcast experience in three words. Um, lovely, it's educational, true. and um, reflective. Reflective in the fact that it's been a very long time I actually talked about my experience with somebody. And um, genuinely, it's making me understand my own journey, making me reflect on my journey. I remember, as I'm talking to you right now, made me remember that conversation 
with my uncle. I can remember I was at the back seat of the church. Was we were sitting in the middle of the church. Was wearing a white and a black um, shoe. I remember every detail just because of having this conversation. I and it t- takes me back to the learning curve of my first website. Um, my first mistake in dev, going out to be a developer, all the industries I've worked with, the amount of um, jobs I've done, the struggle to get a remote job in Nigeria, the working while schooling, the multiple time zone jobs. Like it just make me realize all of those milestones, and I'm just wondering what the future is holding ahead. That's lovely. That's really nice. But thank you so much for coming on this episode and for shedding so much light on the full stack career path. And we've come to the end of this episode. So Dancy, thank you so much for joining us here. Do you mind sharing your socials for anybody that wants to follow you or reach out to you questions and whatnot? If you want to if you want to reach out to me, I mean LinkedIn is the best way. Um Dan Steve Adikombi is my name. My LinkedIn is um LinkedIn slash Dan Steve Adikombi. Um Instagram. I don't really use Instagram, but yeah, you can see my Instagram. My Instagram handle is Dan Steve Adi. My Twitter handle is also Dan Steve Adi. Um what else again? My GitHub um handle is Dan Steve. So, okay. Yes. What's the weird song to you on GitHub, though? Uh, I mean, I've had people message me on GitHub using um EGist and telling me to collaborate with them. So, it depends. It really depends. I mean, I, I, okay, maybe from a PM's point of view, it just seems weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, the first interaction I had with, with SNR developer was on GitHub, to be honest. I mean, for I mean, maybe for you guys, there is pretty normal or something, but it just doesn't add up for me. But that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Steve, for joining this, and thank you. Come to the end of this episode. I hope everybody found this episode helpful. And if you have any questions, I will drop my socials and dance socials in the comments of this or description of this episode so that I can reach out to anyone of us who have questions. Um, about this career path or what's not. So thank you guys and bye. Bye.